let's face it, romantic relationships tend to consume much of our collective emotional energy. Sometimes we don't know where to find the answers. I mean, heck, often I don't even know the questions. Why is it important for women to support other women? <laughs> because it's what the guys do. A couple of years ago, I launched Pink Wisdom in my living room here in New York City. The best relationship advice I ever received was actually when I was married. I am happily divorced now. To create a space for lovelorn women to discuss relationships, love, sex, breakups. How do men respond to strong women and how does it affect? How do you get your self-esteem and your confidence back? Um, all that good stuff. I would bring in these incredible relationship experts to answer questions and offer advice based on their experiences. One of the best pieces of advice that I have ever received is actually from my mom. After you have been dumped, the best way to get your self-esteem back is to fall in love with your own life. So not only do I get to ask these experts the questions that you would be asking them if you were to meet them in person, I get to pass on all their well-earned words of wisdom to you. I am enough. I am worthy of love. Hey everyone, welcome to Pink Wisdom. We're glad you're here. I'm here with Anna Anderson. She is my co-producer and director of the documentary we filmed this summer, interviewing women from around the world in their native tongue about overcoming self-doubt, resilience, love, relationships, all that fun stuff. We're going to chat about that a little bit here. So what's going on with that? So we're currently looking over all of the transcripts of all of our wonderful participants. And it's really cool to see what they said, you know, when they were speaking other languages, we didn't know what they were saying, but we could just gauge their reaction. And now seeing the broken down version in translation, their answers are incredible. I, I'm so excited to start weaving it together. What's the creative process for making it happen? So reading through everything, getting an idea of what our narrative is going to be, but it seems to be kind of unfolding in a certain way where there's these common themes that come up and figuring out a way to string those together in, a, in an interesting way that people are gonna really connect to and, and feel hopeful for the future and, and about women's role in empowering each other. Love it. So um, basically what we did, guys, is in this film, we interviewed, I think it was about, what, 25 women? A lot. We have to yeah, 25, 25. About 25 women from 25 different countries, everywhere from Mexico to Cuba, Mongolia, um, Italy, Vietnam, France, Switzerland, France, Switzerland <laughs> right. And we asked them essentially the five basic questions. Everything from, you know, defining love, developing potential, bouncing back from self-doubt, that sort of thing. What's the idea of making it more artistically interesting? I think instead of having just a lot of talking heads, having um, sort of inspirational videos on top of it with subtitles so people know what they're saying, but kind of having this patchwork of women in different countries completing each other's sentences in different languages. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like passing the ball of, of love. Exactly, exactly. So a little sampling of some of the questions that we asked specifically were, um, I think we started out, we, we kicked it off with how do you overcome self-doubt? Exactly. Was that our first one? That was the first one, mm -hmm. yeah. And the second one was getting unstuck. Yes, how do you get unstuck and what are some parts of your life where you felt stuck? Right. Yes. And then we did a, does everybody have something? To offer. Does everybody have something to offer the world? Mm -hmm. I think my most favorite one. Oh, 
I remembered another one. <laughs> is the, um, what were you going to say? The relationship you had with your mother and yes. what did she teach you? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. So, yeah, so we asked everybody what your relationship was like with your own mother. What, what did she teach you? What was the blueprint that you learned growing up from her own marriage, her own relationship choices? What's the connection there with all these different countries with that answer? It, it really varies on a personal level, um, but they seem to fall in two camps. So one is they had a very self-empowered mother, and that led them into wanting to seek jobs that empowered other women or finding a path where they felt like they were being helpful. And then the other part is women felt like they didn't have that relationship with their mother, and they felt that maybe they took a rebellious route, but they still sort of ended up in the same camp as the other ones. There's just two different roads, but they intersected in the end. You really do see modeling from a young age of, you know, how you express love, how you accept love, how you spread love, and, you know, can be a negative or positive experience, but you are really molded by that. I grew up in a single parent household, was raised by my mother, um, and also had an amazing stepmother who was a huge part of my life and is a huge part of my life. And it's it's been a long journey. And I've also been involved in different communities that, you know, tend to see women as, um, you know, maybe as just homemakers and caretakers. And, and that's also wonderful and, and very valuable. But to not be able to move beyond those those bounds is challenging and, and hard for people who have different visions of what success looks like. So wanting to confront that and those experiences that I had when I was younger and also paying homage to my to my two moms, essentially, that really helped raise me and give me a sense of connection to women and, and this deeper desire to share that and and to build upon that and to foster those connections myself. I learned what not to do from my biological mother, <laughs> and um, as much as that was challenging, you know, it was also extremely helpful, to be completely candid. And, you know, she definitely struggled, and, and watching that as a young child, you you kind of take note, and you you think, how can I do this better, and how can I build on this, and how can I improve this, and um, how can I help her, too? Uh, so it, it definitely was... I fall into the camp of maybe my mother did not have that same sense of self-worth and that made me want to change that about my situation and and to try to bring that to people that I, I love as well. And then we asked a really easy question. Define love. <laughs> like thousands and millions of texts and songs and poems and literature on that topic. And it was amazing that they were able to to come up with these beautiful and eloquent responses to, did you find a connection um, in some of those answers as well? There's, yes, so many are reflecting, mirroring each other, building on each other. I think that's going to be one of the most beautiful parts of the film is kind of having this long string of women talking about love and, and describing it in their own way, but they're essentially all sort of saying the same thing. And what's this idea of adding footage from their home country? So just to set the context of what they see out their window every day, what are their daily routines, who are the people that are in their lives that they love and support them, um, and just giving the audience a little bit of a feel for 
this international film and mm -hmm. and the on lockdown too. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I know. I crazy. feel so productive. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so creative during to be able to have done this during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah, it was right? a fantastic, fantastic creative endeavor because it took our minds off of kind of the horror that was happening around us and and put us into a space of love and feeling productive and like we were actually doing something. Yeah, and this idea of when we're all in lockdown to actually have a, a theme of global connectedness. So there's a couple um, other like-minded creatives that during this process we've sort of discovered. One is this uh, this French woman who produced a movie called... Um, woman. Women, women. Called Women. And while we interviewed 25, she interviewed 2,000. Yes, an amazing amount. An amazing amount people. and turned that into a film and had all sorts of sponsors and that sort of thing. And, and we're self-funded for our little, our little shoestring, mm -hmm. um, bootstrapped <laughs> documentary. But uh, I found that really interesting. And the other one is this, this new book that, that I just saw called 200 Women. Oh, wow. Uh, based out of New Zealand, um, which. Oh, here it is. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, these are beautiful and portraits. Also asking these women five different questions. No way. Wow. So, isn't that interesting? She has an incredible actress here too. So anyway, it's exciting to, it's exciting to kind of be like on the pulse of, like we're on the right track exactly. of these oh, type of things. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they scored some good, some good interviews. So besides the five questions, we also did some rapid fire, some real ping wisdom-y type sex in the city type of stuff. Yep. What were those? Those are, you know, how do I stop pining away after my ex? What do I do if um, my guy cheats on me? Should I stay? Should I go? Um, and what if a guy ignores me, ghosts me? Mm -hmm. uh, should I keep trying to reach out or let it go as well? And I think women really struggle with these, it's just so hard to know what to do. So it's, it's really helpful to get, I mean, even though there's varied opinions, but to have that depth of knowledge, you know, accessible is mm. very helpful. Totally. To see how someone in France handles ghosting versus someone in Afghanistan yes. handles ghosting versus somebody in Vietnam. I think one of my favorite rapid-fire questions was, um, how do I stop pining away from my ex? I think we've all been there and, you know, gone down the rabbit hole of maybe I'll check his Facebook or his Instagram or um, look through old photos of us together and remember only the good parts and feel very nostalgic for it. I loved the answers that were given, which were it's like, you have to distract yourself, move on, whether it's finding a new activity, you know, meeting up with friends, or getting into a new art project, whatever it is, find something that grounds you and, and you know, maybe put some restrictions on your phone so you don't go and look if that's uh, an issue. And that's what I've tended to do in, in life around those situations, and I've found them to be very helpful. So I thought that was a, a very interesting and, like, tangible answer that was given by a lot of, of, of the love experts and relationship experts. Okay, now that you all have met Anna, we thought we'd give you a little sample of some of the content from the Pink Wisdom documentary. So Kevin, our darling producer, and I have sifted through countless interviews from 
the Pink Wisdom documentary. And we came up with a little mixtape of responses that hit on some of the fun, more Pink Wisdom-y type questions. Stuff like, what should you do when a fella ghosts you? Uh, he cheats on me. Should I stay or should I go? How can I stop pining after an ex? Why do we keep picking the wrong guys? How do you define love? Is text flirting cheating? How important is sex? All that fun stuff, all the wonderful juicy questions. And in this little mixtape, we have questions answered by the likes of Marika Frohms, Megan Booty, Michaela Baum, Renee Slansky, Nicole Vellini, Austin Channing Brown, and a few others in the mix. So we hope you enjoyed this little teaser and advice from all these amazing women who blessed us this year. And we will see you again on the next Pink Wisdom Podcast. How important is sex in any relationship? I would say it's only important if it's not good. If it's good and if it's easy and if you enjoy yourself, it's not that important because when you look at the percentage of uh, sex you have in a day versus the percentage of living you do in a day, it's a very, very, very small fraction. So when sex is good and easy and fun, then it's not that important. You have it, it's enjoyable, fine. I love this guy and he ghosted me. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our world right now. Yeah, that's a big one. And I think fundamentally talking about resilience, we're all getting a really thick skin these days because that is the new normal. Self-love and self-respect are the answer here where if you are ghosted, you have to remember it actually has nothing to do with you. It's not that you did anything. It's not that, you know, you said something wrong. It's that this person is a not polite because ultimately the person you want to wind up with, even though that this is the new normal, like you don't want that, right? Think about that. Do you want to be with a person that felt it was okay to just disappear? It's not polite in any world, right? So just remember that first, like you don't want to be with a person like that, but it again has nothing to do with you because they're dealing with their own shit and they have their own traumas and you know what? They probably just saved you some time. Pining after your ex. Why? If they don't, or if they're not giving you what you need and they're not making you feel a certain way, then you have to energetically just let them go. Because when you're holding on to something that does not serve you, that is not meant for you, you don't have space to welcome in somebody who is gonna honor you and treat you like the queen that you are. So pining away for somebody who doesn't want you is not going to bring you any closer to obtaining what you're looking for and that's real true love and partnership. How can I stop pining after my ex? Um, put your attention somewhere else and put it somewhere else with a lot of discipline. It's easy to want to pick a scab like you had a mosquito bite and you have to scratch it. So it actually takes discipline to every time that thought comes up to put your attention somewhere else. And the somewhere else can be um, something of beauty, it can be something that's more of a spiritual nature, or it can be something concrete to do. But you have to force yourself to have the thought and pivot to something else. Relationships break Hit up. me with that your sort rhythm of thing. Stick. All right, so here we go. Number one, uh, my guy just ghosted me. What the hell? Next. 
I think that if a guy is cheating, there are many reasons as to why they cheat. They might not be getting something from you that they need. Um, and I just don't feel like there's any need for it within a monogamous relationship. Like, I want monogamy. That is what lights me up. It's different if you've had a conversation and it's an open relationship, but really, if you're cheating, then you should not be in a relationship together. I just don't think it's respectful of people's mind, bodies, or souls. What should you do with a guy who goes, you lose him as quickly as humanly possible? There is nothing else I can say other than when you understand your self-worth and the fact that there is a million men out there and the one who doesn't want you maybe wants someone else or he's just not a good guy, you must move on. If you love him, talk to him about it. If you're on the fence, goodbye. It just depends on how much you love him and how much, you, how much history you guys have. Generally, if somebody's cheating on you, maybe you're doing something that is spurring that cheating on. So investigate that. It's not like a definite goodbye scenario. Family therapy or couples therapy would be great. Mm -hmm. Should you dump a guy who cheats on you? Absolutely. There's no reason to hang out with somebody who lies because once they start lying, they don't stop. And if you think that you can somehow do something to convince a guy to stay with you when he's already wandered somewhere else, um, it's a mistake and it uh, just wastes your time. Once again, when you're young, there's a lot of men. Some are better men than others. And when a guy cheats, he always cheats. Cheating, what are your thoughts? Okay, cheating is not necessarily a reason to break up with someone. It is definitely a behavior that has to have an accountability and a consequence, but cheating is the byproduct of underlying issues and toxic behavior and mindset that have already started in the relationship. You have to look at A, why he cheated in the first place, B, what has happened after the cheating? Has he been remorseful? Is he wanting to move ahead? And C, you have to look at the continuous behavior afterwards is it improving there will be time needed to be able to build trust again you have to make sure that this doesn't become a pattern but it isn't necessarily a reason to end a relationship how important is sex to a relationship I think in Australia, sex is quite important in a relationship. Uh, you can see it nowadays in the Australian culture. We do have a little bit of a hookup culture in Australia, especially in say your popular towns like Sydney and Melbourne. I think that after the sexual phase, people are yearning for something more and that's where they start to get lost in love or they confuse sex with love. Uh, I think in any culture, sex is important because it is fundamental to building a healthy relationship, but we shouldn't confuse sex with intimacy or love. My best friends are my three exes. Mm -hmm. I'm a strong, powerful, confident woman who is making shit happen. My boyfriend is making less money and more passive. How can I be me without emasculating him? Well, he's very lucky to be with you first and foremost. And I think the response here is less worrying about him. 
um, and how he's doing and more focus on you and what you're doing to take care of yourself, both in the relationship, but in the greater world as well. And what I see in this dynamic, which you want to be careful of, is overcompensating, right? You're a successful woman and you're kind of the alpha and you want to get your partner onto that same level. It actually can be a little tricky in the relationship because the more you try to force that, the lower he will go in terms of he's going to start feeling more and more inadequate and you're going to start to feel more and more alpha and powerful. And it's kind of a recipe for disaster with a relationship just going too far apart from a, a dynamic of masculine and feminine energy. As a girl who picked the wrong guys for many, many years, it is about choosing a pattern that you were shown in your life. So from the pattern of seeing how my parents related to one another, we tend to play that out in order to fix that role throughout our lives. And when we are not conscious of this pattern that exists within us, it's very hard to make choices that are opposite of this pattern. And even when we are aware of it, that's what, what our comfort level is. So it's kind of, we, we are creatures of comfort and we do what we have learned. So in order to break those patterns, we really have to consciously be aware of them and actively choose differently. God, I, I love my boyfriend, but I just, I, I, I really don't wanna have sex with him anymore. That has, a, we all as women come to those stages. I would say, love your body, masturbate more, mm -hmm. learn your body and open up the door of passion with yourself and then say, come on in. Mm -hmm. I'm a fiercely independent, confident woman who has a job. How can I be alpha and not emasculate my man. Mm. You gotta have a equal partner. And if he's gonna be emasculated by you, by you being yourself and being a strong professional, then he's not strong enough. Should you dump a guy who cheats on you? Absolutely. There's no reason to hang out with somebody who lies because once they start lying, they don't stop. And if you think that you can somehow do something to convince a guy to stay with you when he's already wandered somewhere else, um, it's a mistake and it uh, just wastes your time. Once again, when you're young, there's a lot of men some are better men than others, and when a guy cheats, he always cheats. From a woman in America and New York City, the most important thing a woman can do to keep a man is to be herself, to be authentic, to know her power, because we have power to be rooted in who we are and what it is that we want. So it's not about keeping a man, it's about being whole and complete just the way we are so that we can attract that whole man, that whole partnership, that divine masculine into our life to be able to build and grow and evolve and challenge each other throughout that relationship. So it's more about being whole and complete 
complete just as you are, as opposed to needing and attaching to somebody else. I know some people are listening to this will think it's controversial, but ladies, this is the truth. It's important for us to bask in our feminine power. And that is not the power of a trident. It's the power of a river and not like a rock, you know, like a river is so strong, but it flows. And that's where we really have an edge in the world, our intuition. And I think we often mask it with the power of a rock, which is that power of like you led with, I'm a powerful, strong woman. Be strong like a river, not like a rock. Why do I keep pick, picking un emotionally unavailable men? Oh, Allison. <laughs> oh, that's a much deeper topic that we're not going to be able to address on the podcast. But you're unaware of a barrier. That's ultimately, you know, it takes some digging into to answer that question. You're not unique in that. You want to start with what did your childhood look like? You know, that's a really great fundamental question for us that are going back to the same kind of guy. Is it the unavailable guy or is it the guy that kind of, you know, emotionally beats up on us? Are you aware of your attachment style? Are you an anxious avoidant or an anxious attachment style and you keep picking avoidant men? Why are the patterns like that? And that it's an individual thing for all of us. It's, it's not a blanket answer, but it does involve going deep on your past, addressing your fears, which is all of the things that, you know, you think of this as therapy work, but it's also coaching work. Coaching just, I think, is a little bit more direct and moves a bit faster because a coach can actually tell you what they see and a therapist wants you to figure it out on their own. So I think both are a healthy approach and both go really nicely together. <laughs> Why do women keep picking the wrong guys? Well, because we like a project. We are natural fixer-uppers. We like to find the guy who, when he's fixed up, is perfect. So we date potential. And in dating potential, we're making a really big mistake because while we're trying to fix up the guy, we're actually not happy with who he is in this moment. And we are also not accepting him for who he is. And at the same time, we're essentially living in the future and not in the present moment. So we all do it. We must stop it. It's very important. If the guy never changes from who he is and you still like him, great. If not, lose him. I think we have the ability to change everything for everyone because women are powerful. The world doesn't work without us. So it's just a matter of when we'll stand in solidarity with one another and how much we want to get done.